Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equip to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equip to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Kathy, I'm so excited that you have come back to Equipped to Be. I cannot wait to just talk to you about resiliency and resiliency in our children. So welcome back to Equipped to Be. I'm glad to be here, Connie. Thanks for the invitation. Wow. Well, you know, there's so many things going on at Celebrate Kids, and some of you have not listened to uh, Kathy and I's other interviews. I would encourage you to, I'll put them in the show notes, but Kathy and I have chatted before. We've been good friends for a long time. Go back and listen to those episodes. You're going to learn a lot, and you're going to be encouraged and blessed. And also, Kathy over at Celebrate Kids has had me on her show. We'll try to look that up and see when that was, because that may have been a little while ago. But Kathy and I have been friends together. We love equipping and encouraging parents and helping them raise children who know who they are, know their identity, know where they belong. And we're just pretty passionate about that. And it's one of those things that it's important, all of you that are listening, you can have shared friendships and shared ministries where you lock arms and support and encourage one another. And that's what Kathy has been. And and that's why I'm having her on the show today, because she's got another book. And you all know, if I have somebody on the program that has a book, it's going to be one that I want you to go get. So you're going to want to get this because this is Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence and Joy. And isn't that what we all want? Right, Kathy? Yes. Thank you so much. I sure hope that that's what your people want. Yeah. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about Celebrate Kids and then tell us a little bit about the ministry and what caused you to write Resilient Kids before we dive in. Right. Yeah. So Celebrate Kids, we're based in Fort Worth, Texas and Jacksonville, Florida. I'm a former teacher, coach, school board member, professor, thought I would do all of that. But God kept moving me more and more toward parent education because parents will forever be a child's first and foremost, most important teacher. And yet parents are undereducated, right? You're taught how to bathe, diaper, feed and give birth and they send you home with this little human. And so, you know, kind of you and I both enjoy getting into the family unit and helping moms and dads raise the kids they were given. And so we do that at Celebrate Kids through speaking. I'm hired by organizations, churches, and schools. We have a lot of social media. We have our own podcast, as you said, got books. We're all about meeting the needs of the multi-generational family. And Resilient Kids, you know, I wrote about resiliency in two of my other books. So resiliency has always been a topic that I have cared deeply about, even way back to when I taught second graders. I chose to write this book during the COVID crisis when I saw that there were young people defining their lives by what they lost and not by what they had. And that really concerned me. And I actually have said to young people, don't let anybody ever call you the quarantine generation. You have to know what you have and you have to be able to walk out of your disappointment and your discord and your dysfunction into something that is better for you. And I saw weak, right? I saw parents going weak. I saw the isolation causing fear. And none of that was good for individuals or frankly, for our nation. And so Resilient Kids was kind of birthed in that. I, I talk about the crisis only two or three times because the book is not about just the COVID crisis and masking and isolation, but it certainly is a relevant issue. Well, Kathy, you know, 
you've got your other books, Eight Great Smarts, Five to Thrive. You know, I'm specifically referencing that. You've also co-authored uh, with Jill and No More Perfect Kids. So I love how you say, don't let yourself be defined by the isolation because there, Max Licato recently had come out with a book and he was just talking about the level, the highest percentage, like 80%, 80%. That's a staggering number of young people who are feeling stress, anxiety-ridden, depression. And I think that your message of being resilient, um, throughout your book, I've, I've had a chance to skim through it. And just knowing you personally, you're very positive, optimistic, uh, but realistic. I mean, you're not denying uh, things have really happened. So it's not Pollyanna. It's like, oh, everything's going to be great. Everything is <laughs> going to be oh great, right? But I love how you said parents, you know, they're sent home with a flyer of how to breastfeed. <laughs> and and I know firsthand yep. because, you know, my, my daughter-in-law's just had a baby and my daughter is getting ready to have another baby at the time of this recording. And, and I know how little they're given. Yeah. And I know the conflicting information out there, but what I love about your ministry, what your heart beats for is to be optimistic, to be realistic, but then to give practical tools. And you're so good at just giving us practical tools. One of the things in Resilient Kids is you just talk about not getting stuck, not denying, but yeah. not getting stuck. So can you elaborate a little bit on, you know, what is your research? What has your experience taught you about, you know, these kids that are facing challenges? how they can walk in it and through it, but not get stuck in it? Yeah, I know. It's a great question. Is that what we would want for everyone, right? So let me define it first, Connie. So resiliency is readily recovering from difficulties. I used to think that resiliency was bouncing back like Tigger and Winnie the Pooh, but it's not always a happy bounce with a smile on our face. Sometimes when you're stuck in a hard place, um, and you're, you really are suffering, you're going through a struggle, there's a real challenge that you're facing, you're not going to be happy about it. You're not going to bounce back. But we want to readily recover. We don't want kids to sit down in the valley and count the blades of grass per square inch. We want them to realize that they're created for more than this, and they're going to stand up and walk out and face the world. It's coming back to right standing. It's bouncing forward into something that God would have for you. And if we bubble wrap our kids, you know, they're not going to be able to handle the challenges that they've been given. And I have to admit, I, how did you word your question, Connie? I apologize. What are some of the tips? What have you learned in your research and, and just hands-on? Like, how do you help these children not get stuck, but actually walk through it? Yeah, I appreciate that. I apologize. My head is spinning because there's, I, I just, I sense in you that you understand the value of this. Yes. You have both experienced what can happen if a family sits down. If a, if a mom doesn't teach and transform kids. So I think my, my heart is just beating. So we don't want to bubble wrap our kids. We, we, we want to protect them from horrendous stuff. We don't want them to run into the street and get hit by a car. You all know, you know, obviously. But other than that, you know, if you see your kid is going to be going through a struggle relationally or academically or athletically or spiritually, you walk with them, you guide them toward truth, but you don't necessarily don't go there, don't go there, let me do it for you. You know, I used to teach second graders, and when it was the winter, I would have 28 students with snowsuits. Snowsuits and mittens, hats and gloves, if you and scarves and boots. And you know what, Connie? I could have put on the, the snowsuits and the boots and the mittens and the hats for 28 kids faster than watching them do it themselves. <laughs> but then I would have done it every day. And they would have felt insecure. They would have felt like I didn't trust them. 
they would have decided Miss Cook doesn't think I'm capable of this. And it wouldn't have been good for our relationship. And it would not have been good for them because they would have sat down and expected somebody forever to put on their snowsuit for them. So whatever your issue is, setting the table, finishing a math problem, practicing for your piano recital, showing up for a soccer practice, even though you lost the game the night before, we have got to make sure that our kids can handle the struggle. So we can't bubble wrap them. We can't be the helicopter who stops them before they've made the mistake, because in the mistake, we gain ground. We learn from that. One of the things I say in my book is that you need to leave the room. Like if you're the mom who's been overprotective, no, 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 don't do it that way. Let me show you how to do it. Rather than letting them get it wrong and then figuring out for themselves what to erase and do over, now they're their own victory, which is so encouraging to their spirit. If you have a tendency to overprotect and help too quickly, and the kids are safe, leave the room. I think that's one of the practical points that we can make. You know, you said something, Kathy, and I wrote this down, and you and you talk about this in the book, struggles. In this world, we will have trials. We will have struggles. It's common to all of us. Unfortunately, our little ones, they don't understand that. To them, it's a first or a second or a third. And so I often say, and I believe you do the same, you don't really tell your children, oh, that's easy or that's simple. It's only easy and simple because you get it. You've been there, you've done it. But we don't want to say that to our children because it makes them think, well, what's wrong with me? Or I'm dumb or I'm stupid. And we don't want to communicate that. But I love how you have a section in the book about struggles can strengthen trust. Struggles can make us stronger which kind of goes to your whole, we don't want to be a helicopter room. So if you need to walk out of the room, I mean, knowing that your kids are safe, of course, that that's important. Can you talk about how does it make them stronger, like emotionally or physically, mentally? Because we are seeing kids, Kathy, that are facing monumental mel- mental health crisis issues. I mean, yeah. their their world has been rocked. Tell my listeners and the parents that are listening how these struggles, like how you not putting on the hats and gloves, help these children get stronger and learn to trust those around them, trust in their ability, trust in the Lord? Yeah. No, if we teach them how to be successful, you know, put your snowsuit on before you put on your mittens. Zip the zipper before (laughs) you put mittens. You know, if we teach them how to be successful, I remember teaching second graders and giving children maybe three or four things to do before lunch. And one of the pages was a gluing page where they were going to get to cut out some things and glue them on a page. And they love those. And some kids would do those first, but now their fingers and their desk are now sticky. And now everything else (laughs) they do is it's a mess. And they learned by trial and error, oh, it's my favorite, but I should do it last because everything else is too hard if I do it first. So sometimes they gain trust in themselves when we allow them to struggle And they gain trust in us when we teach them. We don't tell and yell, but we walk them to a place of success and we become the ones that they come to. Because parents, you guys, you need to communicate so that they trust you so that when they're in a time of need, they come to you for resources, not Google.com and Siri on their phone, which they are doing. And those are liberally programmed computers that don't love the kids or love their God. Now, biblically, Connie, Romans 5 teaches us that in our struggles, we gain character and our faith matures. I'll ask an audience of parents, how many of you have greater uh, faith in the God of the Bible because of the challenges that he has allowed you to walk through? Every hand goes up. And then I'll say, how many of you have a more Christ-like character because you've walked through some struggles and every hand goes up? It's a biblical thing. We gain ground. We persevere. We're diligent. We're teachable. We understand effort and 
patience and self-control and other-centeredness. These things happen when we are faced with the struggle that we have to overcome. And of course, we find the God of the Bible in our time of need, and we see that he is an advocate, he is faithful, he is love, and he is truth. When I look at the dropout rate from faith and the church right now, I see weak people who don't know the God of the Bible. And I'll say one other thing, Connie, I know that you've been on the media lately talking about the reality that uh, children's academics are down. You know, no one should be surprised by that. Isolation, learning over Zoom, all of those things have made it really difficult for kids to learn phonics and math skills and vocabulary and whatever. If our children do not believe that they can study and learn, then they will continue to be in that lower third. We have got to say to our kids, and we don't say, you can do it, you can do it, without proof. That's toxic positivity that's dangerous. If you say to a child, you can do it, you better have the proof. Look at how today's paper is similar to yesterday's. Yesterday, you only made five errors. It was the first time that we did that kind of a paper. Look at today, same number of problems, looks the same. How many do you think you'll get right today? I always talk about the positive. So I think, again, one of the practical things that we can do is teach them so they can trust themselves and they trust you. Prove to them that they can do it. Don't say you can do it, you can do it without the proof. Take pictures on your camera phone and show them how well they were doing something yesterday and that today is real similar. Those are some ideas. Those are great ideas. And I want to touch on something that you said. I've, um, I've, we've talked about this before, you know, learning on this theme of education. Learning's hard. I mean, children grumble and complain because let's just face it, some kids could care less why they need to find X or Y. Some kids don't want to know about ratios. They don't want to know that segment was about, you know, kids being behind in math. But in every topic, and I've heard you say before, Kathy, is you tell your kids, you're learning something you don't know. Of course it's hard. Let's set up a realistic expectation here. <laughs> exactly. You wouldn't be going to school if you knew it all. And I know, you know, some kids do think they know it all until they realize they don't and they want to quit, which is, you know, a whole nother topic in and of itself. In the book, and I, I want to reference this, you talk about self-talk. And, the, and I know that I know you well enough. You're not sitting there telling your children to stand in the mirror and say, you're pretty, you're beautiful, <laughs> you're... So no. I, I know I can hear your giggle just from that. So let's let's talk about the type of self-talk we want to teach our children, because they are having a conversation between their ears. Um, It doesn't always uh, come out of their mouth. It can be expressed through verbal language, which is really important to pay attention. You and I have talked about that before, but let's talk about self-talk for a little bit. Yeah, it's so good because we all do it. We all talk ourselves into things and out of things. And many of us are lying to ourselves. So, And I do think that much of their self-talk comes out of their mouth. I agree with you. And so you can listen and you can say, what makes you think that that is true? And ask them how they're driving, how they're arriving at those conclusions. I'm a huge believer in the statement, I am. So I am, it can be negative, I am clueless, or it can be positive, I am creative. So I would encourage you to make sure that you teach your children the strengths that they have. You are outgoing, you are creative, you are a creative problem solver. In fact, one of the benefits of becoming resilient is that you become a problem solver because resilient people look for another way out of the valley. And so to say to your kids, you are resilient, what's that mean, mommy? You're learning how to overcome the challenges and you don't give up and you don't 
you know, throw this little pity party as, as much as you're used to. I'm really proud of the confidence that you're developing. So when we teach them truth with very specific language, you are creative, you are outgoing, you are confident, you are learning, you are a blessing to your little sister, their self-talk will more likely reflect our teaching to them of who they are. If you think that their self-talk is negative, you know, I am stupid. My favorite comeback for I am stupid is prove it. <laughs> That's good. Because you can't prove stupid. <laughs> stupid doesn't exist. You can prove you forgot there was a test. You can prove you didn't proofread. Yeah. You can prove you were disobedient, but you can't prove stupid. Now, I would also say before you react any further, I also want to say to our listeners that we also say, I'm so sorry you feel that way. So respond to their emotion. If you don't feel their pain, this is really important for resiliency. If children perceive that you don't feel their pain, like the struggle, just get over it. You know, if you don't feel their pain, they will not care what you think. That is so true. That is absolutely so true. And I think that's true for adults as well. If I were to share with you a struggle that I'm personally having or that we're having at the ministry, and you quickly went to solutions, and you didn't first of all acknowledge, Kathy, I'm, I, that's heavy. I'm sad with you. I would have a hard time hearing you. Yeah. And you know, can, you know, thinking about that, Kathy, because we've had so many conversations about personality types and assessments and such. And, and when I heard you say that, my first thought is there are some folks, they tend to glaze over the feelings part because it doesn't come natural to them. And they just want to tell you because they legitimately care. Like mom and dad, you legitimately care about your child. You're busy. You're on the way to soccer, something like that. And you you really just want to help them fix it. And you're thinking, well, I don't have time to like, are you okay? I'm sorry. And you view that and marginalize that. And there's danger in that, isn't there, Kathy? There really is. And let me also say, Connie, that the heart of every mom and dad is to solve problems for their kids. So this is not a bad quality about you. We're not, we don't want to shame anybody here. We're simply saying that you make sure that you acknowledge that their pain is real, their frustration is deep. I think we even say, would you like some ideas now or later? Because if they're emotionally struggling with the fear or whatever's going on, they're not really going to hear your brilliant ideas anyway. <laughs> uh, two other things quickly about self-talk that I think are worth mentioning. One is the word yet. And you probably know this, Connie. The word yet is really powerful. So instead of saying, I don't read well orally. Like I, mom, I hate reading orally and I, I hate reading out loud in front of people because I, I'm just not good at it. Yet, math is really hard so far. But the idea that you're sending them into the future. So, man, this paper was really hard. Yeah, what about tomorrow's? I bet it won't be as hard tomorrow because you'll have today's truth to take into tomorrow. So, listen to their negativity. Listen to their lack of hope. And see if you can spin it again, not, you know, rah, rah, cheerleaderish to the point where they would think that you're crazy, but to say, yeah, you know, yeah, the purpose of school is to learn what you don't yet know. It's not always going to be easy, but look, there's now 30 problems on the page. There used to be only 20. You are learning more quickly how to do this well. So don't lie to yourself. And there's one of the most important things to say to our kids. Do not lie to yourself. You're too important. So I expect you to speak truth into your spirit, into your life. And so you're going to have to be able to defend, you know, this is really hard. Well, what makes you think it's really hard? Well, I got three wrong. Well, it's only the second day that we've done compound words. Why would you think that you would get them all right? I am your teacher. Yeah. 
I just want to tell the listeners, make sure you write that down. That's a very important statement you just made. Make sure you tell your children, do not lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. We spend so much time telling our kids, don't lie to others. But oh, yeah. we haven't really focused on, don't lie to yourself. You know, that narrative is so important between what's happening in between their ears. So I'm, I'm so sorry, but carry on. <laughs> carry on, no, Kathy. No, no, this is your show. I love that you came back and amplified that to listeners. Yeah, have the evidence that there it's a lie. One of the things that, that we teach to celebrate kids is that evidence doesn't lie. So if your child is, if you believe your child is lying to herself, I am so stupid. I'll never get it right. Man, I trip over everything, right? These everything and always and never kind of statements, which are almost always lies, be ready with the proof that they're wrong. Because you're the mom. You have to say you're wrong. You're not stupid. Have the proof. And again, so keep old work, take pictures of piano recital performances, whatever it is that you can do to prove to them that it's not your love that's telling them that they're not stupid. It's the proof that you have, that they're not stupid, because I think that's key. And then one other quick comment about self-talk is that what we tend to do, what you and I and what everybody tends to do is we complain inside our head. You know, this is hard. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm I'm never going to get it right. Again, these are the self-talk statements. What I want to do is teach kids how to ask for help. So what, what we can teach our kids is if you are sitting in your room or you're at the piano bench or you're getting ready for soccer and you are overwhelmed by what you do not know, you don't remember how to kick the ball with your left foot, only with your right. And you're really scared the coach is going to find out that you weren't listening well yesterday. Or I don't remember what the teacher said. Am I supposed to use my left hand yet? So let them ask you for help. Because the, a, 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 an attribute of a resilient person is that they will humble themselves and ask for help. So Connie, do our children see us doing that? Do they hear a father, husband ask a mother, wife? Hey, sweetheart, I don't remember what time the picnic is on Saturday. I'm so sorry. Do they see us humble ourselves and ask for help of of minor and major things? And when our children come to us, mom, I'm confused. Did you say that I needed to do this in a certain order? Mom, did you say cursive or printing? Do you care? Mom, may I go out and shoot hoops now or do I need to finish? Like, If they come to us with questions and our response is negative, why weren't you listening? You should know by now. Now, and I get that. Like, I get human. I get that. But ideally, our response is more welcoming and more assuring because here's the thing, Connie. They have questions because they're children on a path of learning, and we want to be the ones they come to. So I want to teach children, don't sit in your misery. Don't sit with all the negative self-talk. Man, I'm so stupid. Figure out why it's hard. And ask a direct question. You know, it kind of makes me go back to the beginning of our conversation. You're talking about educating parents. One of the things parents have to understand truly is they've got to pay attention. They've got to be intentional. They've got to be watching. They've got to be observing. In some ways, kind of taking notes. I, I've talked about the hours in action. We can't know what our children are saying or their body language or the self-talk if we ourselves are so consumed in our own struggles and trials 
and we miss it. And so I know that you love to touch on that too, because it truly is a family thing. These raising children is not compartmentalized. It's not isolated. You often say, raise the children you have, not the ones you wish you have. And yep. let's be honest, when you look on social media, there's a few I would have picked out. Like you had, had much <laughs> rather have had them. I mean, this one that I have over here, man, this one's giving me a, you know, a run for my money. Can I trade them in? And you no, know, you can't. <laughs> you have what you have. And I love that phrase because it puts us all back into perspective, which as we come to kind of like the conclusion of our time, Kathy, I, I want to respect your time. And thanks again for joining us. We're so grateful. Yeah. And I know many people follow you over at Celebrate Kids. And I, before we kind of close this segment, I ask Kathy a few more questions. Just make sure you go over there's CelebrateKids.com. She has her Ask a Child. So you've heard Kathy mention several things of asking your kids. Kathy's really intentional about giving parents directives. In some ways, you're educating parents um, how yep. to enter in dialogue with their kids and how to get their kids thinking um, and engaging with their children. So uh, make sure you go check that over, out. And she also has the podcast, CelebrateKids.com. Now, I, I just want to say, let's kind of wrap this up because you brought up why you wrote Resilient Kids. And again, listeners, uh, if you haven't gotten that book, I really would encourage it. Maybe it's not even for your kids. Maybe your kids are too little and you're thinking, man, it'll help you get a mindset because that's mm -hmm. really what I see you do a lot of, Kathy. It's, it's mm -hmm. uh, reframing thought patterns that we've had in the past that probably didn't serve us well. Maybe they're, you know, they're a holdover from our own childhood, which we do carry uh, those patterns with us unless we change them. But when you started with Resilient Kids, it was like right in the height when all this was happening. In the book, you talk about trauma, big T, little t. Can you mm -hmm. expand on that just for a couple of minutes? Sure. Big trauma is life-changing trauma. Divorce, the death of a Grandparents, a child is close to the even the death of a dog, a relocation, changing of a school, things that are really uh, big trauma, big things that can engage the whole of a person, usually things that would last long and might be permanent. And then the little t trauma, the loss of a soccer game, the embarrassment of working a problem at the board and being laughed at, um, which, again, we don't dismiss that. We don't say, well, just get over it. It's no big deal. But in the definition for the mental health professionals, that would be considered a little T trauma, easier to overcome. A uh, couple of conversations will often do it. Positive encounters after the negative will often erase the negative uh, from a child's mind. And we do need to be careful. And one of the things that I write about, Connie, that I know you agree with is that children are individuals and they're unique. And what is little trauma to one kid is big trauma to another. And that, you know, if, if you have a child, in fact, I write in the book about resiliency for emotions, intellectual, physical, spiritual, and social. If you have a child who's very athletic and, you know, he, his whole life is soccer or his whole life is baseball or his whole life is football or a young girl's whole life is soccer or volleyball or track and field. And they struggle there for a season. They've got a negative coach or they lose the teammates just aren't competitive together or whatever. That will really traumatize that kid whose whole future is I'm an athlete. I'm going to be a star. I'm going to get a you know college, you know football scholarship or whatever. So again, we don't dismiss it. We love them in the moment of their trauma, and we we take care of them as best we can. I love the title of the book as we kind of wrap this up and the work that resilient kids can have on a culture truly in seeking help 
a map, a guidebook. For those that don't have any of Kathy's other books, uh, Eight Great Smarts, I, I should have had you talk about that, but I will have your Eight Great Smarts, your Five to Thrive, your Resilient Kids, No More Perfect Children. I, am I missing some? Oh yeah, Teens and Screens. I should probably have you back on because you know so much has changed since you wrote that. Mm-hmm. Just in a matter of a year, so much has changed. The yeah. culture, the toxicity, and that's like a whole other conversation, toxicity. But I would encourage you to get those books. They will be a great resource for you to have. It's not going to be one of those. I saw a meme the other day, Kathy, was like, are you this kind of book reader or that kind of book reader? And oh, I'm yeah. like, well, actually, you know, I dog ear, I highlight, I journal, and I put bookmarks. What does that make me obsessed? I guess, because when yeah. I am really engrossed in reading something, something I really want to know, I want to get better at, and I know all of you are listening to the program, you either know someone who's struggling, maybe it's you, maybe it's your child. These are some great resources for you to have. Pick a chapter. They build on each other, but start where you are and get Mm -hmm. some help and information um, because we want your family to not survive. That's not life, and that's not what God intends for our families. He wants our families to be strong and resilient. He wants us to have these beautiful relationships so that when they turn the tassel at 18, it's not, see ya, it's been fun, thanks for the braces. But they look back and they see what a rich heritage and a rich relationship. And it may not be right away, but having older kids, I can say it happens. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to have them turn around and look back one day. Mm -hmm. So the tools and the resources, Kathy, as uh, we close here, I know I've pretty much said where people can find you and stuff, but is there any specific message or thought you want to leave with our listeners today? Well, we have our own podcast. It's called Celebrate Kids. Dr. Kathy. So I would certainly enjoy it if your people would find our podcast, Celebrate Kids with Dr. Kathy. Hang out with us on social media at celebratekids.com. And just know that we're on your side. You know, we understand that family is challenging. There's academic and all kinds of issues going on. There's spiritual dysfunction as well. So uh, stay the course and don't give up. And I'm glad people have found you and they're hanging out with your wisdom because we can do this. We can raise up a generation of resilient God-honoring kids. Absolutely. Well, friends, that wraps up this edition of Equipped to Be with Dr. Kathy. I know that it was a blessing to you. Go check out her book. Go over to ConnieAubers.com. All the show notes will be there and a link to Kathy's website, her podcast, and the books that she has available. But check it out. I know you're going to help your children be resilient. I love Kathy's analogy of they don't have to be Tigger, which is truly something we all can think that bouncing back means we're supposed to be happy. And having gone through a lot of grief and trial, my Self, it looks different for everyone. And I think you'll enjoy the wisdom that Kathy shares through that. So, Kathy, thank you for joining us today. And, friends, tune in next week as we have another edition of Equipped to Be. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.